Kia ora and welcome to this episode of the Stag Roar. This episode is brought to you by our mates at Modern Pirate, 100% carbon neutral. Modern Pirate makes an amazing range of men's grooming products. And if you're one of our Aussie listeners, then you've probably seen them in your quality barber shop. I've used the pomade in their matte clay paste to style what hair I have left. And their charcoal soap is the business. You can get 10% off every order by simply entering the code STAGROAR at checkout. That's lowercase S-T-A-G-R-O-A-R. Look good and support yet another quality Kiwi export that the Aussies are sure to claim as their own. Check them out at modernpirate.com.au. That code again is STAGROAR. Kia ora and welcome to episode 179 of the STAGROAR. This episode I'm joined by my bloody good mate, Jagarut Lalu. Jagarut I owe quite a lot to um, when I go and visit my daughter. He's where I go and stay, which is so wicked. Um, we get to chat, obviously we get to hang out with Billy, it's fantastic. But um, Jagarut and my history sort of started in my second last year of optometry. Myself and Jacob Benefield, who I've spoken about a couple of times, with old uh, Patrick Davenport and then Matt Hickford. Um, Jacob Benefield was in my optometry class. We came up with the idea of creating the New Zealand Optometry Student Society. So we got into that, and um, yeah, along came this email from Mr. Lalu and his good friend Seanit, asking to... uh, Give us a little bit of seed money, so that was fantastic. And um, yeah, we had a little bit to do with Jagrut. He uh, donated some um, a computer program that they a website that they had developed around sort of uh, papers and and uh, resource notes from the optometry course. And uh, we invited Jagrut along to the ball. We made him a, a life member of the society, which was pretty cool. And then uh, when I was in, in Hamilton in the Waikato, Jagarud and I ended up flatting together. So yeah, we've had a little bit of a long history and now we get to hang out every sort of fortnight or so. And uh, Jagarud and his lovely wife, uh, Jackie, we uh, talk a lot of shop, but um, also about life and, and we solve the world's problems most fortnights. Um, and so yeah, I decided that it'd be awesome to sit down and record one of these chats uh, we had a lot of fun, had a couple of beers, um, and um, yeah, waxed lyrically about the world as we tend to do. Um, it gives you a little bit of insight into some of the ways that these weird optometrists think in their little dark rooms, but um, yeah, it's uh, quite a diverse chat, and um, a lot of the topics that we discuss apply not just to the optometry clinic, but to life, and, and we go broad, so let me know what you think. As I stated at the start, you can't really find Jagrut on, on social media, so you'll just have to resort to reaching out to me, and and yeah, let me know. Hope you enjoy this. Uh, episode 179 with Mr. Jagrut Lalu. It's always good when guests bring their own equipment. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. And then, and then we just go and try to record something on a new platform, so this could be fun. Hopefully, yes. We just might talk for an hour and have nothing useful to say, but that's part of life. We've got some wood. Got some wood here. Um, got some beers here. What start? What are you starting off with, the Jugger Group? 
uh, called Liberty IPA. Pretty delicious. Yeah. And what's the other one? A hoppy. Uh, well, Liberty as well. Two Liberties. Two Liberties. Wellington's finest. Absolutely. Yeah. Your Wellington's finest as well, Jagrut. <laughs> no, I would not say that. I'd say probably Wellington's worst. <laughs> That's why you've been ex- uh, exported to the dark tips of the Waikato um, on the boundaries of Auckland. Yeah, look, absolutely. Um, we uh, So we live in Tikafida, so probably, what, 50, 70 k's away from Hamilton. Probably 50, 70 k's away from Auckland, so we're just in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> so, perfect. Home to Graham Norton's wine. Oh, yes. So that is, uh, <laughs> that is actually up the road. They've got a Graham Norton winery, and that's, oh, that's quite cool. But you're not allowed to buy wine from there unless <clears throat> uh, you're buying it from a shop. So they've got the winery there. You go there. And you drive past it, but you can't sit there and have a tasting. Oh. Soon it might hopefully be part of our establishment, but, you know, we've only got a four square. It's soon to be a new world. Awesome. Maybe then. <laughs> so um, probably you're not on Sosh Med, so unless you're an optometry, who the bloody hell are you, mate? <laughs> Uh, so, um, well, well uh, I'm an optometrist. Uh, I practice in Hamilton, Frankton. Been here for about 10 years. Prior to that, I was in Auckland and then Wellington. Um, look, I've just, I've always worked pretty hard from the beginning. Mm. I started in my practice in I was employed for about 30 hours a week and I worked about 55 just to get, uh, just to make things work. Uh, we've got, we're practicing the Waikato and we just want to help as many people as we can. Uh, in 2009, I set up a practice for a, a product which is called Orthokeratology or we call it shift lenses in the um, in the Waikato. The whole thing we set up was around um, stopping kids from getting worse um, with their eyes and their glasses. So what we did was we set up a clinic. Um, we use all available evidence-based research to stop children from changing their glasses. Now, fast forward 10 years, we uh, get referrals from our major competitors in the corporate sector, um, as well as our private sector um, competitors, where we can help people to stop their eyes from getting worse. So it's been a pretty interesting journey. Hmm. Yeah. And <clears throat> you're also involved with the back end of those orthokeratology, how did, what came first, the the passion for myopia? Because what what let let people know like your your own personal journey of of myopia and what that means. Yeah, so um, so I'm so myopia means your eyeball has grown way longer than it should do, 
from when you were an infant. Uh, my eyeballs unfortunately grew a lot longer than normal. Um, and so if we look at the numbers, so your glasses can be a one or a two or three or four. Um, mine are 12. And then I have um, something called a segmentism. And that's an added layer of complication. But I have these things that are wrong with me. Uh, so what happened with me is that my eyes got significantly worse from when I was uh, two or three years of age and then up to 13 and 14 they got way 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 worse um, so that's that's where I sit when I um, started practicing optometry uh, my eyes you know were pretty stable but uh, what we learnt about the whole thing was that well, there's all the science to say that we can stop people's eyes from getting to like me so no one wants to have eyes like I have um, because it's just not good for the health of the population it's not good uh, so when we talk about eye problems and my eye problems versus the rest of the world um, we don't want to have me we want to have other other people's eye problems stop so the treatments that we offer um, are related to stopping people's eyes from getting worse before we talk about like the, all the treatments um, so the full disclosure is that well look uh, I started an optometry in 2009 in Hamilton New Zealand 2010 I went to a conference and I met one of my colleagues and friends and we continued to build a relationship around uh, how we can stop people from getting their eyes worse and we ended up in 2012-13 joining forces in a company that he had created which meant that uh, we have a product that stops eyes from getting worse. The product is called um, orthokeratology. So ortho means, uh, orthokeratology, sorry, means um, reshaping the eye uh, reversibly. And so, yeah, that's how it kind of all started. We, yeah, so, and, and the product is called iSpace, and that's a product that we, like, have, there's four of us in the company. There's three optometrists and one developer, and his name is Jake. And our optometrists are Lachlan, Charlotte, and myself. And we basically all work together to try and improve and grow this message that we maybe need to just stop prescribing glasses and look at what other options there are to stop people's eyes from getting worse. Mm. Yeah. And like. I don't I don't work for you, but I use your your product in iSpace and in your software in iSpace to implement the, the same thing. Um, for from my side of things, I was sort of moderately myopic. Um, have some family history of some of the diseases that we hope to block out from stopping people being short sighted. Hmm. Um, but to limit those downstream effects is what I'm hugely passionate about where I sit is um, 
trying to help people see the world to the best of their ability um, and hopefully that's glasses free or or comfortable glasses and and not have these diseases which might take their sight you know how what drives your passion for this this um condition that we hope is preventable and even more and more preventable yeah so i think it really what you're talking about is um so the core of the problem the problem is is that we've got this thing called short-sightedness and short-sightedness is when the eyeball grows longer without us knowing yeah okay so we can measure the length of the eyeball I think of it like um, when growth in humans. So, so we, we've got our children, and our, generally the feet grow longer before the body grows taller. <laughs> Guilty. <Okay>? So <laughs> six months before the the body grows taller, our foot becomes you know a couple of centimeters bigger. The same is true for the length of the eye. The length of the eye grows longer, and then the glasses change. <laughs> So what we're talking about in terms of how we manage and care for these people is is implicitly that. You know, so I'm a minus 12, and that never happened for me. I just want to make sure that we can look after these children that haven't had that same um, sort of growth. Like I don't want any more people that are, have just as bad eyesight as I do. You know, because the reality is, is that, and this is a disconnect in society, um, the, the the growth of my eye has meant that my eyesight is very poor. But those numbers only mean to the public that, oh, I just need thicker glasses. I need worse eyesight correction. If they, if the under, if the everyone understood, the reality was. <coughs> that what well, was not just that my glasses that are really thick and super horrible indicate that I'm for the higher chance of uh, blindness well that's going to be taken quite differently well what can we do to stop that hmm. <coughs> that's how I see it and is, is your vision worse as well so your ability yeah, to make, so, make so, things so out. my overall vision is uh, not as good as maybe ryan's yeah. ryan's got ex excellent vision but perception is reality so yeah. i don't know for sure that what i see is not the same as what he sees we may see the same vision on the chart but our um outdoor vision might be different mm -hmm. and that's kind of part of this yeah. Nice. So, how do you, how do you, like, I'm probably lucky in that when I came up through uni, what'd you say, 2009, you started in practice, 2010, you went to this conference. So, yeah. 2010 was my first year in optometry. <coughs> and so, the whole way through, we talked about myopia control, orthokeratology. We didn't get to practice it because I don't know why. <laughs> But we, we did get to practice it, but it was front of mind. And so that was that was my sort of understanding of things. And I, and I guess you came out therapeutically qualified? Yeah, so um, therapeutically qualified means that I can prescribe medicine. Um, but in 2009, when I graduated, I just believed that we need to stop 
people's eyes from getting worse. Yeah. So I had the education. Yeah. And I just applied it immediately. Awesome. And so we set up um, a clinic that was de- devoted solely to stopping people's eyes from getting worse. And because it was there was very good science at the time, but there wasn't enough science to create the groundswell. Um, so you had that as part everyone, of your education too? Hey? You had that as part of your Absolutely. Degree. Yeah. So we had enough information for me to surmise that this is the right way to go. Mm. And um, it's funny, I had a, um, so I, I applied for a scholarship at this, at this thing in New Zealand, we call it Snow Vision, and uh, there were two things that I had to write for the application, and it's what do you think optometry will be in 10 years time? And I said, well, we're going to be dealing with myopia control, and the second thing we're going to do in New Zealand is we're going to be prescribing medicine for glaucoma. <coughs> glaucoma is an eye disease that um we have and it's global uh and both those things have come true but i didn't know that that was what was going to happen it's just what happened Mm -hmm. that's how i felt about it it was so strong to me that 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 we need to stop this problem called short-sightedness that that's that would be the future and now 10 years later so i was very late on it (coughs) on my prediction but um we're now all optometrists are now thinking quite strongly about how do we treat this problem. Um, there are four treatments. Uh, there's an eye drop that you, that you instill at night. There's a soft contact lens, which which was developed by the University of Auckland. Um, there's a hard contact lens that you wear overnight. And there is um, also this thing that everyone seems to forget about and it's called outdoor time (laughs) and outdoor time is really useful because um it costs you nothing but it stops children from getting worse because we can spend more time outdoors uh we can balance our technology use uh you know like that's really really incredibly important for what we want to do to stop people's eyes from getting worse anyway and one new thing now with our glasses Oh yeah. yeah, there's also a glasses option. Um, you can talk about that. Yeah, so um, which I don't know if it's it's a it's a cop out or what, but um, it's made the conversation easier. Um, so I had a a mildly short sighted wee boy come in the other day, uh, but he has very strong family history of uh, three siblings and a mother who's minus six. So half the way to where Jugger it is, but also where the where the risk for problems starts to increase quite greatly. And um, it just sort of gave us gave us the tool to be able to say we're gonna prescribe something to try and slow this down <coughs> and start to introduce that, that topic. Um, and is there sort of a case for people who are at risk and have no prescription to wear these these glasses as well to Oh, look, absolutely. So um, the biggest thing our profession will go through is the ethical dilemma. Mm. Um, because the ethics work like this. Um, if you don't have short-sightedness, then your risk for retinal detachment and glaucoma is zero. Okay? If you um, go from no prescription to something... 
So minus 1, minus 2, minus 3, doesn't matter what it is. The number is, is higher than nothing. <coughs> well, then your risk increases. So we've got this ethical dilemma where we go, okay, well, um, you know, the, the patient comes into the room. At seven years old. Wherever I work at. I, work, I might work in a corporate practice. I might work in private optometry. doesn't matter where we work. And I've got to make a decision. Well, if I'm not educated enough on the current science, I might go, well, hey, look, you need some new glasses. That's fine. That's actually perfect, perfectly reasonable. Because the sci current science says, well, as long as you prescribe the full correction, that's the, the full correction of someone's eyesight problem, then that's not an issue. But then six months later comes along and the glasses have changed again. So then we're in a very ethical dilemma. We go, well, what do we do? We either prescribe some new glasses or discuss the fact that we know that things are changing and we need to uh, stop things from getting worse. So that involves, we'll discuss about four options now. We've got the glasses. There's a glasses option that's available. We've got a two contact lens options that are available. And we've got a drug option that's available. And we should point out the, the glasses options are special glasses. Yeah. yeah, so they're not normal glasses that you can just buy off the shelf. These are glasses that are custom made for the patient and they actually um, help, well, they may help to stop people's eyes from getting worse. You know, this, this is all brand new stuff that we're working with. Um, the contact lens-based options are very well researched. We've got enough information about them. But it's just what we do next, mm. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you, so a lot of the author case sort of stuff is, comes out of Asia, right? Um, when you say author game, what do you mean? Uh, sort like? of the knowledge. Is that correct? No. So, and, um, <clears throat> so in the 1960s, we learnt about orthokeratology, which is reshaping the eye when you sleep in a contact lens at night. Um, in the early, the mid-90s, in 1995, um, we had something called accelerated orthokeratology, which is reshaping the eye, but the contact lenses that we kind of know everything about. Uh, we have really good manufacturing technology now. We can understand how the product works and how we can make it better all those sorts of things. The, the manufacturing technology is amazing. We can now cut contact lenses in a way that's uh, super precise. Um, but yeah, that's where, where it all is right now. And so where did the application for myopia control start? Um, so <clears throat> uh, in the last probably five years, we've had a resurgence in people talking about it um it's been there for a while like you know it's lots of people have known that if we treat short-sightedness with um a product called orthokeratology where you sleep on these at night it just tends to or there's an association that things slow down like mm -hmm. things stop getting worse mm -hmm. we've never really known 
more recently, in the last three four years, we've had um, a whole bunch of science say that, yeah, that actually is true, mm-hmm. and it works really well. We've had science before that, but generally accepted science. That's what's changed. Um, and there's other things that also work. Um, so eye drops that work at night, mm. before you sleep. Um, there's a specially designed soft contact lens that works before you sleep, and that works well too. So that's kind of what we've known. And like um, the soft contact lens is kind of a in engineering approach is is that where the what the keratology sort of came in or that was just a byproduct of of what some people were using and seeing i'm unsure um honestly i can't answer that question um my suspicion is that they've probably reviewed what has been happening up to this point yeah and they said well could we do this in a soft contact lens if that was if that's the case, then yeah, that's how they got developed. But you know, you'd need to talk to um, the developers of the product, the yeah. soft lens product, to work that one out. No, nah. awesome. <laughs> you got mail. Mm. Um, so you, your other side of these um, special lenses is is keratoconus. Yeah. Yeah. And so we. Was that your main reason for joining roses? Is, is the sort of legacy of the rose lens in, in keratoconus, or how did that come about? <laughs> yeah, so um, I, uh, when in my final year of university, I fit, um, it doesn't sound like many people, but I fit four people with contact lenses that were That's four uh, more than me. That's four more than me. Okay, so. <laughs> that's a lot um, of people. And so, and so that's where I developed a love for contact lenses um and so i thought well i think that's something i want to do a bit more of uh and so when i applied for jobs i had four job offers and uh three of them paid a lot more than what i got paid at the practice that i ended up choosing and the reason why was because it just felt right and i got to learn uh, about a subspecialty that I really had a lot of passion for and loved, hmm. which is um, contact lenses. Um, people think about contact lenses like um, okay, a soft contact lenses that they get from the from online or wherever you get them from. Um, most of the patients that I see have had problems with those, and so we need to look at how we can solve that solution. Hmm. So yeah, so that's where it kind of all started for me. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy uh, rigid, rigid or hard content lenses. Um, it's something that just I wanted to learn from when I started there in two thousand nine. Uh, I was really lucky to get tuition from someone who was just retiring. And um, although it was my lowest paying job of all the job offers I got, it's been the most lucrative from a health, wealth and happiness Mm. point of view. I took a risk because I go, well, I could go to Christchurch, I could go to Wellington, I could go to all these other places. 
but it just ended up working out really well. Mm. Yeah. Um, so with with Wellington, you're you're from Wellington. Mm. Um, you're very very strong around family. Like yep. that must have been a little bit tough. <laughs> oh, it's it hugely tough. Like my my family is my number one. That's my number one driver. It doesn't matter how much money I earn or any of that sort of stuff. Like my number one thing is how's how is this thing going to affect my family? So that was pretty tough because you know, my mum lives in Wellington. Been my wife and I live not in Wellington. Mm. Uh, that's that's been pretty challenging. But it's it's just part of it. Like you you know, like I okay, when I started at Roses I um I was employed for like forty hours a week, thirty nine hours a week maybe. I'll probably work on average about fifty five 50 hours a week mm-hmm. and I don't care about money it's not important to me but what was important to me was the whole um, is this going to work for our business is this going to work for like, the culture we want to set and it just did mm-hmm. and it has it's provided for our family it's provided for everything you know, now I'm an owner, it's quite different to when I was an employee, but geez, it's really important to to understand the process mm-hmm. for me. The process of of how you get from nothing to something. Yeah. You know, I was an employee to begin with. Yeah. And now I'm no longer an employee. I don't really know really what happened. I just know I'm not an employee now. <laughs> yeah. Because I just looked at how I can help. And I think it's really important in every industry, mm. no matter what industry you work in. It's just how can I help you to be better? And then opportunities present themselves, and then now I get to be better. Mm-hmm. That would be. So, so where does that do you know what the root of that standard that you hold comes from definitely from my upbringing but the root of that standard is just like you gotta work hard if you want anything in life yeah so yeah. What, what what about your where does it show up in your upbringing oh just my mother really simple like my mother's always said it's nothing about materialism it's not about what you can earn or what you have you just have to operate fairly in life so okay so for example in our business yeah okay you might think well okay materially you're gonna earn more money that's not what it's about it's about well how can i support the employees that we currently have to earn enough money to survive and have an amazing family life. Mm-hmm. That's what drives my head. Mm-hmm. I don't really share that with anyone. That's what it is. The byproduct is, well, yes, we get profit. There's no denying that. Mm. 
Mm. But if that's not happening, that internal thing where the staff are not doing well, I'm a loser. Mm -hmm. I don't win. I hate it. Yeah. And that's why I'm very, I'm quite a direct person. I, I will tell you how I feel and think about something because I want you to be successful. Yeah. So like, um, but that's how I feel about the concept anyway. So do you not, sort of, it might not be right, but I've, I've done pretty well on that so far. Yeah. Do you sort of feel that that, um, prov provides safety and a sort of weight off someone's mind, um, to then be able to go and perform like whatever task the, the, your employees have that, that safety well the problem is my communication like um, as you heard before we did start this podcast yeah like clearly my communication is wrong mm. because not all my staff understand that concept of what mm -hmm. we're doing so it's a it's a learning and yeah so i guess that's part like, of a learning that's like human relationship sort of yeah and because um, I'm, I'm i'm too young to know the answer mm -hmm. um, so, so something we we were talking about last time i was here so two weeks ago yes. we we're talking about experienced practitioners being um almost psychologists like they are whizzes at human interaction do you, that, is, oh. that, is that kind of what you're talking about with being too young? You, you just yeah, absolutely. So, um, <laughs> so in our profession, um, for those that don't really know, um, we're really just we really just learn about how people interact and behave over a long period of time. So sometimes we need to offer advice. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what happens. Um, 99% of the time we say nothing and we just, you know, carry on about a day. But sometimes after about 20 years of seeing someone, you you feel okay to say something. And that's really what optometry is, don't you think? Yeah. So um, you, 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 in a perfect world, would have seen them probably at least 10 times in those 20 years, right? Yeah. <laughs> Every two years we see someone. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll just say something then. But, <laughs> well, we say something every time. It's just, it's about, our profession is around building relationships. I yeah. Think. So on on that, how do you, you're into sort of personality profiling, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where do, you, where do you sort of fit, fit yourself and what are your sort of characteristics and where do you think they fit into the profession? Uh, so ask it in a different way because I can't. Um, so say with like Myers Briggs, I I feel quite extroverted, but then my bosses, two of my bosses are very extroverted, and I kind of feel like I'm down the scale all of a sudden. But I get a lot of, I do find I get a lot of energy out of the out of an interaction with with people. Um, yeah. So my wife will tell you what my um, Myers Briggs is because I don't really know, <laughs> but I know that um, well, look, hey, um, one of my things is that I need to work well with, with others. Yeah. 
I'm not exactly sure if I do that all the time. <laughs> but that's part of it. Um, I've got a good vision on what we need to be and where we need to go. Yeah. Um, is that always realistic? I'm unsure. <laughs> but so far, things are going well. Mm-hmm. And we're pretty successful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would I say for you? Um, yeah, it's all about, I think, I think well, for me, it's all about um, getting alignment with all of my partners in the business because I work in a business where my 50% shareholder is amazing and he's always got my back mm. 100% no matter what. So I'm, I'm very comfortable in that relationship that we have. We we look at our relationship like a marriage. Mm. It's a business relationship, but it's a marriage. And so we don't do anything without each other's approval. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like you've you've got a reasonable sporting background as well. Do you sort of see, like the whole thing's a team? Is is there sort of a parallel that the pair of you are kind of? The coaches or the captains where, where, do, where do you think that sort of feels like- I wish it was like sports because <laughs> it's just not yeah. like um, I really wish it was like sport I love sports I've played yeah played a lot of sport and um, is it just because love- it's like outcome all the time there's outcome all the time and it, it's all always about the outcome so like okay look hey we want to have a win and it doesn't matter how everyone feels. It's about like, let's all drive together for the win. Yeah. And that's part of like, that I love about sport. Yeah. You know, like, say we're playing cricket or football or hockey. It doesn't matter what. The goal is, okay, we need to win this cup or this championship or this whatever. If that doesn't happen, it won't. <laughs> so that's what it is. Yeah. It frustrates me a lot, um, but what it's teaching me is patience, and I think that's really important in in life. Because no matter what happens in life, you just got to step back, relax, and understand patience. Mm. Because I, to my uh, personal. Um, like nature is to just try and grab something and mm-hmm. get it more. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what my lesson is right now. Mm-hmm. About. So what are the what are the sort of tools you're doing for that? Like um, that balance between ambition and, and patience, drive and drive and. and uh, I have no balance. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. But I love. But what the things that I'm trying to implement right now is um, okay. So I drive home. Yeah. And then I stop before I get home, and I just decompress. Yeah. And then I go home. I walk across the threshold, and then I no longer. I put my phone on um, airplane mode. Yeah. And that's all I do. So these little things will help me. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Do you do, how do you start the day? So 
so we get up early. Um, you've got you've got a one year old. Let's, let's. Oh yeah, so that's something you say. <laughs> yeah. So we have a one year old, but um, and look, he sets some of the program of the day. But um, I'm really lucky. My wife and I are looking at um, our personal health, and so we're having smoothies every day. Yeah. So we have a green smoothie every day. That's done by someone who know the guru on on smoothies on smoothies <laughs> uh, but we we get those and that's sustenance mm-hmm. the end goal is that we actually also wake up and do exercise for half an hour before we go to work mm-hmm. but that's a work in progress oh for sure <laughs> I've lost a lot of weight yeah from starting this and it's been great to do it, it makes you feel good I think it's a good thing yeah so yeah, one of your one of your pillars is health, and I can't I can't grow further in business or anything without uh, looking after my personal health. Yeah, that's what I've realised. Yeah, because I can work really hard. I can work and I can only sleep four hours a day. Amazing, great. What a winner am I, right? <laughs> but I can't do it unless my personal health can let me keep carrying on. Yeah. So we've actually started investing in personal health supplements, mm. like things we can do, as well as not drinking during the week, mm. not doing X, Y, Z during the week, so we can actually make it all work. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's it, my thought. Nice. I remember when um, you, you're partly to blame of my paradigm shift with when it comes to nutrition like i um come come through sports and sports nutrition and all those types of things carbo lighting and i remember you were the first person that said to me i've been doing this keto thing where i don't eat all day and then i have a high fat high protein meal for dinner and i feel great and i was just so confused it was yeah. like that was like when we first first moved into the place in hamilton you were you were doing a period of doing that and i was just like what is this about? <laughs> How did you, you, you're, you're, like as as we've already sort of alluded to, you're a bit of a like. People accuse me of being a um, early adopter, but you're you're far ahead of me, man. Well, you, I used to be an athlete, and and obviously clearly I'm not now. But um, from I wouldn't still sense, still wouldn't like to meet you in the nets, mate. But I, um, you know, that's just. It's one of these things, you know, like you look at the science, you look at everything, that, how it works. And and it might be that um, the keto philosophy works for a number of people. Mm. It's probably not going to work for most people, let's be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but it will work for a number of people. It just having to work for yourself. Mm. You know, um, it, I don't think it's necessarily worked for me because of a number of reasons but the big things for me are like well look hey let's look at diet let's look at everything in our life and let's maybe do a little bit less social media (laughs) you know like let's just look at those sorts of things and see what we can do to make things work um so on that what are you what are you seeing in practice um i was uh there's your wife's got three daughters that are exposed to that, that um, 
Yeah, so it's so not it's not technology for them. It's the thing that's part of their life. That's what I thought was quite uh, something I heard quite interesting. Technology is only things that are new for for that generation. Social media is part of the world. Yes. Yeah. yeah so um, probably the best thing I can explain is that each of the three daughters. So we have uh, three daughters and one boy. Um, the eldest daughter is uh, 22. Yeah. And she will communicate on an iPhone or an iPad as and when she kind of feels she needs to communicate with her friends. The middle daughter uses uh, a lot a lot more technology, but not a huge amount. And she will still, you know, at the end of each day, she will still stop, communicate with the family. The youngest daughter, who's 14, has got the most interesting behaviour. <laughs> she is engrossed in technology. Mm-hmm. She still loves and adores her family, but... Um, She's immersed in TikTok. She's immersed in everything else related to that mm. sort of subject matter. Each of these girls are four years apart in birth. Mm. So the world we live in with Isabella is quite different to the world we live in with Adriana, which is quite different to the world we live in with Helena. None of these three things are bad. It's just how we live, laugh and love through that world. Mm-hmm. So the youngest girl, um, what we're doing right now is we're actually restricting her from technology. And she's not happy about it. But that's what it is. Mm. Yeah, for her. To sort of plug into the natural world as well? or. Yeah, so what's really funny is so um, when she's naughty <laughs> and let's say, she, let's say she gets her technology taken away from her, she becomes instantly, boom, like the lovely girl that she's always been. Mm. And she always is, by the way. Um, so she will go out and play on the skateboard. She'll go out and play on the swing. Mm. she do all these things that are that are there. <laughs> They're there for her. Yep. Yeah. But that's just I know something new. Yeah. No, it's um it's it's uh definitely now for you and I with that next um generation where it's 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 there, it's part of their life. <clears throat> and then the threat of, you know, total immersion with the likes of um, AI and uh, and augmented reality and all those and all those sorts of things. Um, have you ever put on an Oculus or anything like that? I've never put on an Oculus, but I can tell you that I've got a very good understanding with uh, virtual reality. Yeah, because you know we all live with it. Yes, we may not know it. So, um, so today, for example, I said to Siri, I said, like, "Hey, Siri." Take me here. Yep. <laughs> there she goes. That's part of virtual reality. Yeah. Right? Like, I would, 
I need some help. Can you help me? Yeah. Technology is helping me do that, and they are very proficient at it. Yeah. I said, I said, hey, sorry, take me to 106 Shackleton Road. You'll need to unlock your iPhone first. <laughs> so the iPhone knows that I'm here, and they want to help me, but I can't do it, you know, without accepting their thing. <laughs> so that's what's happened to me today. Yeah. So it's just integrating into society. Also, on the, like you've got that car, your phone will immediately, your car becomes your phone immediately? Yeah, so I've just bought a new car and um, the car allows me to plug my phone in and there's this whole thing called CarPlay or Android Auto. Yeah. And um, you plug it in and... It takes a lot of administration away from you. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can ask the car that, look, hey, I'd love to go here. Can you give me the directions? Yeah. And boom, automatically does it. Yeah. And that, that was what um, I was listening to Elon Musk, love him or hate him, the other day in... It was one of those sort of things. It was Is that all, the new one? The yeah, new the latest one. one. Oh, I've not seen it. Yeah. I'd love to see it. And then, and then um, of course, the world's uh, raining down on him because he's just moved to, to Texas and a natural weather event has happened and the power grid's <laughs> not working so well. But I think, um, again, being patient in the long game with someone like Elon Musk, like what he's done in Adelaide, I think that he might actually go and do something about the power grid in Texas. Did he do that in Adelaide? Did that actually happen? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I don't know that. <laughs> so he actually said, you know, he did the bet. He yeah. said, look, hey, I'll fix this. Yeah. He did that. Yeah, he's nutter. <laughs> he's got there some... is actually zero um, media coverage on that. That's he's, wrong. He's got... He's got he some... followed through, he promised something, and he did it. That's even, you know... I. I don't understand, like, he is human, but does incredible things and has an incredible mind across a wide array of things. And how's he do it? And, like, perform, like, so, for example, the rockets into space stuff. He actually performs and delivers on that. Yet, he might, you know, have a discussion with Joe Rogan about the politics and the, and the sort of, raise taxes of California and the moment something bad happens in Texas they're like oh see look you know, that's what Texas te Texas how do you get. think he does it how do you think he does it like I'm asking you so what do you think he does to make that happen to e execute to develop yeah like yeah. what's the thing that he does that no one else does it's a very loaded question there's a lot he takes massive action immediately. Yes. That's so, all he does. So he front-foots his... He it goes, let's do this, and he actually does it. Yeah. That's all he does. Do you he goes, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm mm -hmm. going to buy um, Bitcoin. Yeah. We're buying Bitcoin. And it happens. Yeah. Would you like to buy a, um, a property in Waipokara? Yes, you'd love to buy one. Yeah. Do you buy it? No. 
You don't take action. Why? Well, there's all these reasons. Limiting beliefs. Yeah, there's lots of things that yeah. reasons why you can't do it. Yeah. That's this is the guy that he is. He does that. He yeah. goes, Well, I made no money. Is that what you're kind of getting out of like like the going from employee to owner? Like You just have to think like you're an owner. Yeah. And then it all just happens. So like that's that's a lot of the sort of attraction stuff, which I'm sure Elon Musk doesn't believe in. <laughs> oh no, he does. In what he definitely does. In what capacity though? Because he needs approval before he makes a decision. Really simple. Like elaborate on that. So, um, so Elon Musk will go, Well look, hey, I wanna do this. But he won't he won't make that statement until he's got approval from others. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. So do you think within his network he's already Correct, yeah. yeah. He's going like, Hey, I wanna do this. Like, yeah. Hmm. So how, how do you, what's your network at the moment like? My wife is my number one yeah. person. I've been very lucky that every decision so far in my life that I've made has uh, is, is been successful or has been successful. Mm-hmm. And that's it. I just believe in positivity. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Where does that come from? Um, uh, when you have nothing, <laughs> yeah, you know how to grow. <laughs> as simple as that. And when you've literally earned, had nothing for your whole life, and you have to support your family, if you just get an innate responsibility. Well, what could be something that could help me be better? Yeah, and that's all that's happened to me. In my family, in my life. Uh, my wife is on a different sort, but she's had a similar background to me. Yeah. My background has been, yeah, just from nothing. And I'm really grateful to have power. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I can have power and have a conversation with you. Yes. In my bedroom that I have to pay power for. Like, there's all these things, and I think, I'm like, wow, I can do this. Yeah, so I've never had that before in my life. That's that's really good. We used to have literally nothing. Like, yeah. we used to be like, okay, well, we didn't have it, microphones, <laughs> all the stuff. Laptops. All of these things, yeah. we had nothing. Yeah. And we just had to go without. So that's part of what drives me. But I want to spread a message. Mm-hmm. And the message is, no matter how bad it is, it can be better. Mm. Yeah, I don't really... I haven't, I haven't meditated for a while, but I, like, caught, caught myself out on something the other day. It was, um, like, cars are so incredible and so great, but the time that you have to spend money on them, like is such an like, easily grind and gets you down. So I needed new tyres and I was like getting the new tyres and I was walking away from the tyre shop, you, you know, before what was being done, down on myself and I was just like, wow, how, I was like, you can flip that around. Like, how great is it that you get new tyres? Yeah, you can now travel is, to see your daughter. My, yeah, exactly. That was what I, you know? that's what I said that's to myself. My car is safe. My car is safe. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I, guess... I spoke about it, funny you said it, I spoke about it today with my mum. Yeah. And my mum's like, well, I'm not sure if I want to buy a new car or not. She's over 17. She doesn't really need a new car. She's got a lovely car that will work yeah. really well for her for the next, um, unfortunately, to her demise. Yeah. But <laughs> if she chose a new car, she's still my new car. Yeah. And my new car is a Kia. Um, Kia is the, is the Korean brand and she's like well this car basically drives for me yeah does she drive at home today yeah, yeah. I gotta drive at home today yeah. <laughs> just so she can see like what's different to a normal car so she drove at home and now she's like oh wow <laughs> maybe I need a new car you go. <laughs> but the whole thing really is about, well, if we live and laugh and love once, what's it all really about? Yeah. You know? You got a lot of things going on in your life. Mm. You got to travel. Yeah. <laughs> relationships and that's why that's why the car is important yeah but wouldn't you love to have an amazing car that drives itself <laughs> yeah like hearing Elon Musk talk about Teslas driving themselves I'm like oh god that'd be awesome <laughs> right yeah it's not always practical but oh, wow yeah if you can do something I think well I think my leaning was whatever you do just enjoy the experience yeah so for me, the experience is life. Um, I used to care a lot about um, how quickly I could, I could get ahead. Yeah. But now it's about value. Yes. Yeah. We only have a certain amount of time. Yeah. For the time we have, let's just look at how well it's spent. Yeah. Um, like, I was I was on a podcast the other day, and one of the sort of questions I sort of had, I, I got asked, was kind of like, how do I think about things? Um, unfortunately, it was to the end, but it was about running that that ultra that I did, and you know, how did you go about it? And I just said that I try approach everything like from an elite mindset, and that comes from sport. It yeah. comes from being inspired yeah. by elite hundred or nothing. Yeah. yeah. So like, even though I was going there as a competitor, I was thinking about like how if you know, kind of like what you were saying before, if it was possible, like say I was the best person, how would I approach it? Yeah. Yeah. And that's hard because not everyone thinks like that, but it's very frustrating at the same time because like oh, look, I. The way I look at the world is so different. Yeah. So on, on and, the and, on the and, micro and in lots of people's minds, it's really really wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's really wrong. I've been, think about the word. I've been called arrogant plenty of times. <laughs> you're not arrogant. You're just a fuckwit. <laughs> As I talked about last night, you sure is how you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's so. So last night for you, listen to We're talking about like, hey, um, are you sure that's not you? Or it's just me, <laughs> and that and that was exactly the same thing. It's about 
it's not arrogance, it's just, well, maybe it is arrogance, I don't know. I just, you know, if you're really passionate about something, mm. if you really genuinely believe in something, then, well, you're going to follow it. Yeah, it's, it's, that's, um, interesting thing, like, passion, and I guess that's kind of what you're saying about, like, for, you know, the real mundane example of buying a, buying a house in a certain location is like when you've got passion you like bowl through barriers you don't you, you get you kind of get blinkers on when you're passionate but about it something. all just works out yeah and it goes and it flows yeah yeah and again because everyone's <coughs> so happy to support the passion yeah and it's even even been like the case of um early days coming here we were we were discussing you know well what's important you know you got to see your daughter and i was just like yeah i got to see my daughter and for some reason let's remove the barrier yeah let's yeah. remove the barrier and you're like so what holds you back and i was like oh the drive the petrol and all that sort of stuff and then it's like nearly been a year later and i've been coming here most four nights like well, nothing different happened i didn't get a pay yeah. rise yeah. I got a. You still can do it. I got a different car, but that. But you have a wonderful place yeah. to now grow a family. Yeah, and that's it, the main thing that drives me. Yeah, it's. it's my wife doesn't always agree. <laughs> that's my driver. Yeah, that's what it is. As in, she doesn't think that that's your perspective. The yeah, thing because find. because the side effect of um, growing one for a family is a need to earn money. Yeah. And I understand very clearly, and I think everyone that listens to this podcast should understand this, is that money is a vehicle. Mm. It's never the answer. So um, I've brought it up a few times in my journal. I put in the front of it the unofficial, it's called the Unofficial Goldman Sachs Guide to Being a Man. And one of those guides is um, uh, realise that money facilitates spontaneity and so that's that that ability to be able to 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 do those things yeah so like so like i say money's a vehicle and that's an example of a vehicle yeah i think but i think i think the, the contrast for it was the time the time is money thing but actually the money facilitates the time yeah yeah absolutely um So my like um, elite concept on on the micro level. What was the pathway to to playing New Zealand indoor cricket like? Oh, just um, so uh, just once again, it's just right place, right time. Yeah, being positive. Uh, I was really lucky. Uh, but what was the situation? What was the scenario? Flesh flesh that out, like. Well, just uh, no, just uh, played a lot of indoor cricket. And with a good friend and one of the guys in our team was the New Zealand fast bowler for international cricket and it just all happened that way. Yeah. So what's, like, Chris Harris has been in the New Zealand indoor cricket team. Like, what's the level of playing indoor cricket? Well, it's just, um, so he just retired. But um, when I was playing cricket, in, for indoor cricket, it was just... Um, <laughs> 
Look, we all just played in Wellington and it all just worked out and it's just right place, right time, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Then we had a World Cup <laughs> that happened to be in New Zealand and in Wellington and it just all worked out. And the level, the standard, the Australian uh, cricket team, yeah, phenomenal. Like, just on another planet. And, and so, being smaller, is it complete ac- accuracy in what you're doing is that is that the the level or or is it tactically do as you well? mean like the, like, the, the pitch the, yeah so where like, they're bowling where they're hitting it no so um so so, so the best players i just have got amazing hand-eye coordination yeah that's what my professional opinion is they're just phenomenal and no one ever knows them. They've played for many years because they're not cricket outside of um, the indoor sports arena. Yeah. You know? Like, you'll know an All Black. No, yeah. But you won't know an under-19 All Black. You won't know them. I might. General public, right? yes. Yeah. yeah, general public won't know them. And that's just how it is. Yeah. How it's been. Yeah. So it's a lovely sport to play, indoor cricket. And, and Chris Harris was a huge, huge part of indoor cricket. He retired. No one knows about it at all now. Nathan McCallum. Yeah. Probably. But. Was he around when you were playing? Or? No. No. Not at all. So, like. It, it's a in, interesting concept for a sport as well that the you know it's the the game the international game like cricket now is like worth millions of dollars you know the auction the other night not in New Zealand yeah, yeah but the auction the other night like changes people's lives yeah so okay who's made money in the last two nights who's who are the two or three that you know was it J- Jameson the vault yep and yeah. how much did he make is that 190,000 or something like that? He made a lot of money. Yeah. Right? For six weeks of play. Yeah. That's just part of it. Crazy. Yeah. None of that has ever happened in indoor cricket. No, no. That's, 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 that's what I was getting at. Like, there's, you know, you, you play cricket, and so it's like, oh, I've got to be out on the oval all day on on Sunday and often Saturday, Sunday. Um, and then if I play provincial, then I'm playing three three and four days. And then I play, you know, our, our I don't even know what it's called now. <laughs> like, it used to be State Shield or whatever it was called. Yeah. Yeah, at the insurance company. And then, you know, we've got 2020s and we've got one days and all those sorts of things. And there's just so many tiers to be an international. And then the international stage now has almost become the the chance to get in the IPL like yeah so do you think that that top end is taken away from the community thing of of uh, oh, uh, no, oh, no, Wednesday night going to going to the nets and, and all playing all indoor because, cricket because we, we're really lucky in New Zealand we've got a really good grassroots yeah and um a lot of people are still gonna want to yeah like the, the be passionate about the game. The netball, the netball, indoor netball. You you always hear about people recruiting for indoor netball, but when it comes to indoor cricket, it's 
it becomes niche. Because <laughs> most of the indoor cricketers um, are actually NZ players, so. So you go along get your ass kicked. <laughs> yeah, it's like their practice round. Yeah. It's maybe not that wide, widely spoken. Yeah. But I don't really think anyone complains. Yeah. Like, it's not a big deal. I'm just pretty happy I got to share some time. Yeah. So did you take your skills on to the Oval? Oh, never. Never? Never. Just uh, lucky to play in a, an environment where we got to... So how did you end up playing indoor? Did you play outdoor? Oh, well? I, I played a bit of outdoor, but um, I played a lot of outdoor, but I just... Um, with the college I worked at, yeah. Oh, sorry, with the college I um, had school at, I just kept it. I seemed seemed to get not get the um, advantages that I would get. Like I, like I, my bowling figures were because I'm a bowler. Yeah. Um, I'd get like five for thirty, and mm, I'd get that five for thirty runs. Yeah. yeah, on a regular basis, like not just once or twice. I get. Oh, my best figures are seven for four, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. And they just go, well, it's obviously not me. Yeah. It's obviously the selectors and there's a whole bunch of people there. But was lucky to play the same sort of cricket in indoor. Yeah. And then I got, was lucky. And so I got to play um, higher than the grade that maybe I thought I should play. Yeah. That's all it's about. What's what's your focus as a bowler in indoor, like? Oh, it's cause, cause... Um, it's exactly the same as outdoor. It's basically taking wickets, right, and negative runs. The the best thing about indoor cricket is having negative runs. Yeah. So you, every time you bowl someone out in indoor cricket, for those who don't know, you get minus five runs. You don't have that in um, yeah. outdoor cricket. In outdoor cricket, you bowl someone out. Yeah, you've got them out. Because they're there for two two overs, four overs, four overs, four overs, yeah, yeah, and the batting partnership. So the big thing is the partnership. Yeah, it's a really strong relationship you need to have mm-hmm. if you're batting. Yeah. So yeah. And so, what what was your tactic as a batter? Oh, just uh, obviously so get a blast. That, that <laughs> they they would everyone would call them down ups. So just if you get a ball that comes to you. You smack it down hard into the ground. You bounce it up so high, it's the top corner of the right net. Yeah. And then you get two runs for free. So that's you don't have to, you don't have to run. No, you run. Yeah. But you, if you bang it there, then no one can touch it. So no one can run you out. They can't do anything. Yeah. That's your ideal goal. And so you're still exchanging the strike. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So you, you, it's like you're blocking. So you get up and you go, bang. The ball yeah. comes down. You hit it in the top corner so they can't field it. Yeah. They can't fuck you over with running you out. And you just walk through for a single. You think it's a single, but it's two. Yeah. And the run out is only at the... Bed, uh, the Either end is fine. So where's the wicket? Is the wickets in the middle of the net? Wickets are at uh, your batting end and the polling end. On, on the net. Yeah, I only played one season. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, good times. So, um, what what drives you to keep learning? 
Oh, um, I think it's really important we always learn. Yeah. Same with you. I I'll tell you if yeah. like inappropriately, I would say look, hey, you need to do this yeah. or that. We all got to keep learning. Absolutely. So I'm really I'm really lucky because I have an environment where I can keep learning, mm-hmm. and that's all I care about keeping on learning. I don't ever want to be in an environment where someone says to me, no, you can't keep learning. So on on that sort of decision, this kind of goes back to optometry. Like with What's with that? with with our What's optometry. What's optometry? What is that thing? Um, with our like continued learning, it's now we used to have sort of specific types of things that we had to learn. So like clinically and then generally. And now they've kind of bundled it all up <clears throat> and you get to keep most of those points. So you could basically do your four years in, in, in one space of time. Yes. Like, do you think that that's taking away from that like forced learning? <laughs> oh, I think it's ridiculous. Yeah. I would... I don't agree with it. Yeah, I, I, I was like, it's handy, like, because the the learning you've done's not gone to waste. But then at the same time, it means that you don't relax. You know, you relax. Yeah, it's paused. Is it? Yeah, and this one up here, it's paused. It's like to be able to help people to grow like personally yeah that's the most important thing for me anyway so i was saying from a professional perspective there's like there's awesome incentive to learn but then they're kind of taking away the payoff for learning who takes away the payoff that's true yeah they're correct because like the um, key word there is continued personal or professional Absolutely. development. Yeah. For so, me, it's always been about, like, look, hey, I don't care what someone else is going to put on me. I work my hardest to grow. If I can possibly add some value to whatever I'm doing, win. So we, what we, the attitude needs to be for everyone is <coughs> like, okay, let's say let let's say you start from nothing. Yeah. You got, you got no resources, you've got nothing to help you afford, you've got no one to support you, um, and you're behind you becoming an optometrist. What the hell do you do? So you've graduated? You just graduated, um, you've got a seventy five, eighty thousand dollar loan. Ninety six thousand dollar loan. Ninety six thousand dollar loan <laughs> might be might be an option. Um, let's just say it's a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Okay? yeah. So negative a hundred. How the hell do you pay that off? Three hundred fifty bucks a fortnight. <laughs> yep. Every fortnight you pay three hundred fifty dollars if you thought that. So that's still that's still for nothing. eleven years. That, that's not that doesn't does that work does that math work still three fifty every four no surely that's not enough you know surely you need to pay more no that's what that's what three fifty every fortnight for oh well there's no interest eh? no okay got it right fair um you know like how do you how do you do that well it's for me I ignored the fact that I even had a loan and I just go well. I need to earn some money. 
and my business. Uh, what do you mean by ignored the fact you had a loan? Well, okay, I had to have a loan. Yes. Because my family is so poor yeah. that that's how it was for me. Um, so uh, I had a loan mm. that paid my tuition. It paid um, also uh, other things for me to be able to survive at optometry school. Yep. And, and that included like, you know, um, it, you know, like accommodation and things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. And so we got extra funding for that. Um, I was still short a significant amount of money. So um, I, in addition to my, you know, four and a half or four papers a year to five papers a year however it worked like with the maximum amount of papers per semester that i had to work mm. in addition to that i worked 30 hours a week minimum wow where at? uh liquorland newmarket so um newmarket used to have a dominion brewery zoned uh liquorland it was one of the only ones left before yeah. it got sold and became a liquorland to a private individual, um, his name was Phil. Anyway, um, we uh, I went to that like land last yeah, week. So I worked, <laughs> I worked there. Yeah, and for my whole degree, and they gave me a significant number of hours a week, at least thirty, um, and it just, all just worked. And so, on the on the like land topic, was that where you sort of got the rabbit ranch? introduction or was it yeah it was actually yeah. actually so Real that's Ranch, also what i bought at the liquor land was yeah so um, <laughs> so um so when i i had so when dominion breweries used to own liquor lands yeah um and that particular one i had uh, one appreciation night mm. so every friday we'd have one appreciation so the uh the manager at the time his name was morris lovely man genuinely lovely man he would um he would teach us all about uh wine yeah so we could recommend it to others and we had probably a 500 square meter floor to sell wine so it was a very large uh area to sell from and he would he'd go through the uh expensive liquor cabinet so we i've had everything nice <laughs> I've literally tried every amazing bottle of red wine. I've tried every single bottle of um, sparkling wine that you can have. And mm. I've got sparkling because it's, it's champagne. It's all these one, weird and wonderful things, but that's what it is. And we've tried it, and it's lovely. Mm. And so where did the GHDs come in while, while we're talking about you? you oh, so, um, <laughs> so to, to make some money on the side, um, I... My all of my girlfriends that so I grew up in Wellington, and a few of my girlfriends, the girls that I knew that were friends, came up to Auckland as well and studied, and um and they all use these things called GHGs, which is a good hair day. Um, it's a way. Is that to, what it stands for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great hair day, good hair day, something like that, and it's a way to um shorten your hair. So, so I, I, I looked at that product and I looked at how I can import that product. And so I imported that product from the UK and I could make a significant amount of money uh, from just importing and reselling it. So I did that at the time. 
Have you listened to um, Gary Vee? Gary Vee. I don't know who that is. No, okay. So he has this thing called immigrant mentality. What does that mean? It's like kind of what you're getting at. Like just when you come from nothing, what can you do to make it work? (laughs) Yeah, so, so my whole philosophy in life is around how can we be better? And I'm really fortunate right now. We've got you know, a couple of acres of property and you know, um, Ryan's coming to stay and it's really lovely, but it's still my mentality is still the same. It doesn't really change. Like, you know, we've grown up from nothing and it's just about how can we make things better? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I want, I want Ryan and his daughter to have a lovely life and that's part of the reason why it, I want them to come and spend some time with us. Yeah, we, we mass, massively appreciate it. Yeah, it's, I hope I pass that on every time. Every time we leave, but yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it's to me, it doesn't. It's not about appreciation. It's about like, like, like you get to actually enjoy some time together. Yeah, and do. so, so what? So what I've learned about all this sort of stuff is it's it's really about. How can we, can we create scenarios to spend more time together? Mm. Yeah, that's good. Because yeah, that's the only thing that really gets the world going around. I can... I don't have to do that. Mm. Mm. But it's nice to do it. Yeah, it's it's um, it's something that's, that's why, we, we, why we vibe because it's something I... I Talking of tools and, and my my journaling, it's one of the things I do is sort of future gratitude, and that's one of the things I'd I'd love to look back on and be grateful for is that to create this um, position and place where friends and family and people and anyone can mm. come and hang out and have space and time and and, and have conversation. That's why I love the podcasting is because you create a space to have conversation, yeah. but I'd also love to actually create a space to. <laughs> hang out and relax and and um you know stay one thing i'd love to interview you about is your um you've got a very disciplined mindset around um meditation and just the way you operate in life like i think you've got a i just, I just amazing try... thing that you do but when it, no one interviews you about that you interview others about i just i just try like, i just I'm, tried to use I'm tools. useless at that what you do <laughs> but I'm, i love what you do yeah, I just try, I just, like, um, that I see it, and I'm probably just influenced by them. Um, the the book Tim Ferriss wrote, Tools of Titans, is, is exactly that. There's, like, a whole, you know, to use the term Bible, of tools that, that you, can, you can use to sort of uphold the pillars. Now, that's... You can kind of look at it that that's where the the sort of self help comes unstuck, because you've got to you know what we we're talking about before. You've got to look at it. You've got to implement it. You've got to have all the external factors align. But I just I kind of see them as the if I can tick off those things, then I'm doing my part to align things. I'm doing as much as I can Do to align. Do you take massive that. action though? In some things, <laughs> yeah. Do you want to take more massive action? Yeah, it's the um, 
It's well, always, it's, this is not, it doesn't bother me. It's always, like, it's always, like, it's always, it's always that, it's always that, like, that, that fear thing, the fear of failure, that, um, fear yeah. of failure is what, exactly what a stag would do. Yeah. He's got fear of failure. Yeah. No. Fuck you, man. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Fear of failure is nothing. Like, I fail all the time. Yeah. And the only way I've ever succeeded in life is by failing. I'll tell you it for free. You Correct. can put that on the fucking whatever you want. Oh, it's good. But that's the reality of the situation. It, I always fail, but the reality is, when I win, it's way bigger than the fail. Yeah. Way bigger. Yeah. You got. You've got to stop looking at the fail. The fail or win. It's not what it is. Do Do you? My have, wife teaches me this every single day. Do you have the um? <laughs> in support of your argument, it's like the whole thing about like you've survived 100 percent of your bad days like you like i've i've also been broke i've also been like you know i still 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 do um you just think you'll think yeah. you're still broke yeah still think, hey. still still do have you know weeks and fortnights and days where i'm just like fuck how am i how am i gonna make this work talk to people yeah but like please share your sorrow because that's all you need to do yeah but just just in hindsight do you look like again that like stop being scared of failure because even when you failed you're still here today no i don't think like that i think like okay well this is a problem man okay you've solved the problem i'm sure it will sort itself out that's my internal philosophy yeah it's not it's not i've solved it i will never solve the problem but you've because moved, you've the, moved is, the needle, though. You've moved the needle. Absolutely, I have. Yeah. But that's not how I think. I have to think, well, what can I do right now to make it better than this? Mm. And it just eventually it's better and better and better. Um, you're, you have said heaps about like the Indian culture being very communal. Do you think that fosters... The ability to ask for help? Oh, 100%. Um, my wife would tell you this incredibly well. Um, all we do is ask for help. Yeah. Yeah, because that's about control and how we can be better. Where's the control aspect coming? Control is that males control more. Mm-hmm. And so we ask for more help. The women comply. So there's... But as males... Is there always an elder to ask for help? And what? So as males, we who do, who are you continuing to ask for help? Uh, to... The women and men around us. So you always ask for help from from the families. The families support. Yeah. So that yeah, so that's a very good environment. Oh, you know, yeah, that sounds to me like a very positive upbringing or positive skill yeah if you don't know something you'll ask someone for help yeah that's the environment nice but it's not the right environment by the way yeah (laughs) it's an environment an environment yeah that's what i was trying to say about like good like Mm. yeah it's that aspect of the the do you think it's trained to ask for help? Like oh, absolutely. 
in our in our world is so what happens when you when you make a glaring mistake like for example mm. i can't <laughs> think of one um personally i can't think of one like i don't think it really matters like I'd rather not focus on that. I'd focus on positivity. But in, in the community, if you make something, if you stuff up, that's okay. That's okay. That's part of life. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So back how we got started on on this topic, which was good, it was it was awesome. Um, you know, that's why I love podcasting because I get to take heaps away. <laughs> um, we're the the continu- <coughs> continuing to learn. We're saying we're starting off like you've put all this effort in you're starting at day naught and you need to learn you need to create your in optometry you've invested a lot you need to create your career or you, you you know what why is learning and not worrying about the metric of learning the points to to your to your board whatever why is that important um so don't understand your question so you, you were saying about you're starting you had started off by saying that you've graduated optometry you've put yes. all this effort in yeah why is it important to continue to learn to figure oh, out yeah it's got nothing to do with personal development yeah it's with how can we be better yeah. as a human race like all the optometrists in the world we can actually work together and everyone can have the same song sheet yep that's really critical like it, currently we've got a big problem New Zealand optometrists are amazing. Mm-hmm. They understand the current science of what's going on in the world about most conditions. Mm-hmm. So as you broaden that out to Australia or the US, they've got no idea. And is it the stay in your lane type mentality? I'm not sure if it's a stay in your lane. It's just a, an an acceptance of science. Do you find that ironic that New Zealand has such a tall poppy syndrome yet we're pushing the boundaries when it comes to our profession? Absolutely, 100%. No, I would not disagree with that sentence. Um, uh, Yeah, our tall poppy thing is infuriating. At at the same (laughs) time... To say the least. (laughs) At the same time, um, it's very respectful when you go teach someone who's come from abroad to work in our environment yeah so I work in both fields so I have to um, I accept uh, students from abroad hmm. who um, have to go in their quarantine for two weeks and they come and they learn optometry skills from our practice hmm. I also have to work with exactly as you're saying which is where we're like oh well it's just that's what we do (laughs) yeah yeah and so it's pretty hard so when i saw you talk at both nzao probably more nzao but also i saw you talk at and the nzao talk was very much around like how can we be together yeah but why why was that the most nervous like like, yeah, whereas when we're at um, Orthokeratology, one, you spoke a couple of times, but two, it was more of a broader community. Like, why was the NZA, New Zealand Association of Optometrists, 
Or was that the most nervous? Um, it's, it's more nervous for me because um, the people I care about the most, <laughs> I want to impact and help the, those people more. I don't have to worry about Australia. Yeah. Right? But when you're in New Zealand... Even though there's New Zealanders there. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the same. Yeah. When you're in New Zealand, you have a duty and responsibility to look after your folk. And that's what it's about. So, so you've got corneal contact lens coming up. Do you feel the same way? Absolutely. I feel the same way. But I'm lucky I did not put a sub uh, an amputract in. Yeah. I've just left it. I don't want to... I'm very happy to share information, mm. but I don't think I've got anything to offer right now. Mm -hmm. So, <clears throat> what do you think, like, and this is very, very narrow, what do you think is needed from the profession now in terms of what, what we're seeing in the community? I think what people need to do is they need to actually look at participating more in in anything optometry related they need to participate because if we get stuck into this mode of oh let's do online learning yeah it's a lose for everyone because they don't get to share their genuine experiences and, and are you talking about <laughs> In the conference hall, or just in terms of, so like the the beauty of the conference is that you get the the sharing of, of ideas and conversations and conference hall and in person. Yeah, that's the reason why I say that. And do you think there needs to step up to the speaking and presenting data as well? Is is that is that going to move the Not necessarily, needle? just um, the just people being there. The collegial aspect of it. Yeah, just... And talking. Mm -hmm. That's all that really matters. Mm. They'll read the papers. So <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. just... It's just... That's what's important. So, again, it's the tribe... The tribe aspect of it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah. What do you think? I... You think no? No, I agree. I... I, I love the conference. And you, and you brought up um, Snow Vision. Got... Um, canned because something happened last year can't remember <laughs> um i'm not sure what <laughs> buddy covid um but i'm hoping that we get to go this year and because like but that is a hard conference to go to like it's it, not easy yet. yeah no one wants to go to it but they go oh it's not yeah i'm there i'm there like so in perspective it's the lectures start at 5 30 or 6 then you go to the mountain then you come back. At 2.30 afternoon, you have a lapse. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. There are some lapse, aren't there? There's some pra practical teachings, and then there's some more lectures, and then you go for dinner. And the first night you get there, you've also had a function. And that, and that happens for three days. And so that's why it's a hard, hard conference. <laughs> but yeah, the reason why everyone goes and, and um, people have been going for like 20 years is because it's so collegial way. That's the only reason why anyone goes to any conference. Yeah. It's about collegiality. 
That's all that really matters. And is that on? Is that intensified on the side of the speakers, or not really? Nah, not really. Not really. It's the it's the fun of fun of being be- with people, eh? Being being with people similar. Just sim- similar think ideas. about it really basically. How do you feel about it? I love it. You love <laughs> just going and catching up with your mates. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. That's all it is. That's what it is. Like-minded. That's not complicated. That's what it is. Yeah. Like-minded people. Like, no one likes you. And and most people still want to hang out with you. They still sit at the same table. They don't get up and leave. It's quite nice. (laughs) It's not your fault. You can't say you're black. There's no reason for that. It's just... I'm from Invercargill. I roll my ass. You roll your ass. That's what that really is here. Like, oh, okay, well, there's something for us to look at. That's what they're saying. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. So people can't find you on social media, but they can see you at Roses. See what it did there? I don't, I don't really know what that is. Well, you can't see me anyway, yeah. first of all. Um, <laughs> Oh, when are, you, when are you getting your number plate, by the way? Oh, it's coming soon. <laughs> What's coming it? soon. The Black Rose. Yeah. So, uh, the reason why it's called that, you know what it's called that, Because eh? Kent calls you that? You're old. No, yeah. that's that's the reason I say to public. The reason, real reason is because um, my great 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 oh, grandfather yes, yes. um, discovered the first Black Rose in the world. Is it still the alive? The jungles of India. Is it still around? Probably not. Humans. Well, it's not me. It's you. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. My, so, I'm Irish, um, though. So, no, so the license plate's name is BLKRSD, and the cover I will always say to my staff and my family is Black Rose. Yeah. That's my great grandfather, and I'm not gonna. That's awesome. Dismiss him, anyway, shape or form. Do you know what it's called? Uh, the um the sort of naming of it or just called the black rose well it's the black rose that he found yeah and it's the only one that's ever been uh, discovered in existence that's mean so my like leaving statement is when things go well for your drug group um is there a concept or a sort of resonating quote that shows up for you also or, or the for me, for me it's always really simple yeah it's about how can we all be better mm-hmm. I'm really lucky yeah um, so I'm, I'm having some troubles at the moment with my family and it, and the troubles at the moment are around um, what I'm doing and how I'm doing it mm-hmm. but my main decision making process is pretty simple it's just like hey no matter what happens is this best for me and you Mm -hmm. and my family yeah and that's the philosophy i'm working with it might be wrong but that's how i'm working on so do you live that on all scale Oh, yeah, right now, yeah, 
Awesome. There's no scale that's not that way, like, because that's where I'm having the most problems. Mm -hmm. I have no alignment. Yeah. I need alignment. Yeah. And if I don't have my family in alignment, if I don't have my business in alignment, then I'm a lose lose. I can have business in alignment and family not in alignment, that's a win lose. <coughs> that's all it is. And so your three pillars, wealth, health, and family. Yeah. But um, health and... Family? Family are the same pillar. Because if I... If my health is not good, then my... Whether or not it's not good. So you, yeah, if you're not here, then there's no family. <laughs> Lose, lose. Lose, lose. Beautiful. We'll stop it. <laughs> it is pretty simple, really. How can we all be better? Of course, this podcast is about exploring success and what success looks like. And I think how can we all be better is a good framework for exploring success. You know, what can we do in the micro that leads us to our ultimate goals and um, if we're making those incremental steps those incremental improvements being better then then we're being successful aren't we we're, we're in that that process of success that pursuit of success and one day ultimately we'll reach our goals <laughs> it was quite good there how Jagreet sort of turned it on me and, and asked me a couple of tough questions around, you know, limiting beliefs and, and where is it that sort of holds me back. Um, that that fear of failure, I guess, it, it's always, no, it's always, it's, it's the here. It's something too that I have to face in everything I do. I, I always try and push myself. I try and um as I said, I try live elite, try you know, if if I was the best in the world, how would this look like? But um yeah, I'm 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 definitely human and, and I'm in that pursuit of, of excellence, that pursuit of, of um of success too. And so that's why this podcast is is a great experience and I found this one especially valuable. It's it's always cool to sit down with your mates and have a honest and exploring conversation. And hopefully, you took a little bit of, out of that, a little bit out of the the real and, and in depth discussion that we had on this podcast. And, and yeah, I really enjoyed it. And, and obviously, we had we had a few beers and had a good time. And um, afterwards, we went and had uh, dinner that Jagger's mother had cooked for us, which was absolutely delicious and, and talk some more but um yeah um massively grateful for what Jagger and his wife Jackie do for me and um really stoked to have such incredible friends um such as such as Jagger and, and, and the people I choose to surround myself with like I said at the start I'd love to hear your feedback I'd love to hear from you um and if you've got any more questions around some of those topics that we discussed um especially from the optometry side of things that's actually my day job <laughs> so um i'd uh, love to help you out on that 
Cheers.